Good afternoon, Seven Investors, and welcome to Seven Investing Now, live from Paradise. Uh, my name, of course, is Daniel Brooks Klein. I'm joining you from Key West, and I've got almost the entire Seven Investing team with me today. Uh, I've got Dana Abramovitz. I've got Matt Cochran. I've got Simon Erickson. I have Steve Symington. And of course, uh, last but not least, uh, I have Max Chatsko. I am drinking Cuban coffee from the Cuban Coffee Queen, perhaps my favorite coffee place on earth. Uh, and it's a quarter mile from where I'm staying, but it's 100 degrees here and humidity like a wet blanket. So I had it delivered. That may be the laziest thing I've ever done. Uh, we're going to go around the room in reverse order and talk about what are we looking forward to doing this summer. Now, of course, the main topic of the show is going to be the tech market sell-off. Uh, we're going to talk about why we're not scared. I know you look at your portfolio, you see a ton of red, but I promise you, we are in this for the long term. We are here to hold your hand. We are here to tell you why it's going to be okay. We will take your questions and comments. I already see some questions in the queue. Uh, Sandeep David, we appreciate the question. It is not a company we are all that familiar with, so uh, we're not ignoring you, but we absolutely, uh, and we'll, maybe we'll, we'll look it up, but it is not one we can talk about today. With that being said, Max Chatsko, what do you have on tap this summer? Uh, Pittsburgh summer, so still pretty gray, uh, but what <laughs> is it you're excited about this summer? Uh, I'm actually looking forward to spending more time with my family. Most of the time, I can live without them, you know, but uh, in the last year, <laughs> I haven't really seen them too much. My niece and nephew live live close by. I mean, it's my responsibility as uncle. I got to pump them with sugar, pollute their minds, you know, and I haven't been able to do that for the last year. So, yeah, I'd say R-rated movies, strip clubs. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Do not, do not do that. That is bad advice. Uh, shout out to my aunt Judy, who took me to many an R-rated movie when I was 12 or 13. Uh, my parents are still angry with that. Happy Mother's Day to my mom. Happy Mother's Day to my wife, Celine. My mom is watching. My wife is absolutely not watching and will never hear that. Uh, Steve Simonton, what are you looking forward to this summer? Oh, man. Um, a little warm weather. You uh, you folks down in Florida are spoiled. But uh, no, I, I we're going to actually uh, head down to Arizona. My mother-in-law is moving down there. And then we're going to dip over to, to Vegas for a couple days, the Grand Canyon, do a little bit of that next month. So that'll be a good way to kick things off. I'm, I'm stoked. Simon, if th uh, Simon, Steve, if things don't go well in Vegas, there is a market for children. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> my, my youngest on red. Like, no, do not do that. Uh, Simon Erickson, what are you looking forward to this summer? Uh, well, Dan, everyone here in Houston does what exactly we do when it starts getting hot outside, which is find water. So we're going down to the beach. We're going to spend some time in Galveston and play down there for a couple of weeks. And, uh, Matt Cochran, I am looking forward to spending a little bit of time in your pool this summer uh, and having you over to our community pool as well, maybe break out a barbecue. But aside from that, what are you looking forward to this summer? Absolutely. Uh, well, my niece is getting married, and uh, so we're going up to Alabama for the wedding. But then after that, we're getting a, like a lakeside cabin uh, near, not too far from there in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains for a week. So I'm looking forward to that, getting off the grid for a little bit. Weirdly, I am also going to a wedding in Alabama this year. I uh, haven't gotten the invitation yet, so I'm not entirely sure when it is. Uh, Dana Abramovitz, uh, I know you are a two-business person. There's probably not a lot of room for fun. Is it like, are you going to go get an ice cream cone in between classes or something? Like, what are you planning on doing this summer? Maybe, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of my clients will go away, so, you know, and, and school's out so we'll change the schedule a little bit um so hopefully there'll be some free time also my mom and i have birthdays this summer so um you know maybe there'll be time for us to get together to celebrate 
Yes, and none of us had birthdays last year. It was all super duper depressing. Uh, I have to say, I am most excited probably to get back on a cruise ship. I'm doing that uh, for July 3rd uh, out of Bermuda. But I'm also really, really excited uh, to close on our resort condo so I can be in a setting like this doing shows uh, quite a bit this summer, hopefully. With that being said, uh, we're going to seg over to talking about what happened in the market yesterday. And I'm not going to belabor it, uh, but we had a lot of high-flying tech stocks, uh, Teladoc, Zoom, Fastly, uh, stocks that, that uh, many of us and our friends uh, have been very high on, uh, stocks that a lot of investors have owned for a long time. And well, Simon, uh, the bottom came out yesterday. Uh, we saw Fastly down, I don't know, 30%, 40% over a couple of days, really kind of terrifying numbers in the short term. But Simon, um, can you talk a little bit about what happened and explain the difference between volatility and risk? Sure, absolutely, Dan. And, and you know, this is something we don't take lightly. We take it very seriously when you see a stock that drops 25, 27% in a single day. Uh, we don't want to make it seem like we're just kind of making light of it and, oh, and you know, haha, just carry on. But I do think that the important thing to realize is that there is a difference between short term volatility and long term capital impairment or risk. Uh, if, if you're investing for multiple years and you know that you're going to keep your money into a certain stock or into the stock market for three or five years, it doesn't really matter if the stock goes like this or if it goes like this. And so when we see these blips like we did yesterday for several of these high-flying tech stocks, we ask ourselves, is this something that we should really be worried about because there's a risk of permanent impairment of capital that we will not recover our money back from? Or is this just a spot between point A and point C, which is interim point B that we don't have to worry about because it's going to recover again? And so that's how I like to frame things when I look at these companies. Is there something wrong with the business? Is there something wrong with the financials that we should be worried about? Or is this just the market saying, I don't want to pay as high of a price to sales ratio for these tech companies anymore? And if that is indeed the case, that this is just valuation related, then as a long-term investor, you really do not have anything to worry about because the vast majority of long-term returns come from fundamentals, not from valuation uh, corrections. And Steve Simonton, I'm going to throw it to you because one of the challenges here is separating. People will ask us, oh my God, why did this happen? And sometimes right. the why is meaningful. Maybe ARK Investing sold out of a position and they sold so much it drags the stock down. But sometimes the why, and the why for Fastly was growth wasn't as fast as people expected and the CFO is leaving. Doesn't right. justify the fall, but how do you look at this as an investor? Oh man, um, uh, I a lot of people just one of the one of the big things they that I think you need to focus on is is my thesis broken, and uh, that's one of the biggest things that that I focus on when stocks are plunging. And this happened last March, um, where we actually you know we saw a lot of the positions you know we launched on March first, twenty twenty. And uh, we released our first recommendations, and I watched a couple of those names plunge 65% in three weeks. It was insane, felt insane, but I've seen it before. You know, we've, we've, all of us have been there before, and it doesn't feel good at all. But I looked at a couple of those stocks and said, nothing has changed. And, uh, you know, sure enough, you know, a couple of them are, you know, solid triples since then on our scorecard, um, just for hanging on and for people who actually bought, you know, on some of those you know, by the dip, right? Uh, <laughs> but some sometimes you just have to look at it and say, you know, I like this stock for a reason at this price. 
And sometimes huge drops like that are unjustified. And, you know, I would argue somebody, you know, selling out of stake arc sells a stock and, and drives the price down or something that I'd argue that's not that meaningful. I, I'm looking at company fundamentals and I'm looking at market capitalizations, valuations relative to the stock's long-term potential. And that's what I focus on. Is my thesis broken? If not, I'll consider just adding and, and you know, bits at a time. It's also important to note that stock prices aren't related to reality. It's uh, when you sell a house, your house is worth what the highest bidder will pay for it. Uh, and there's a little bit of a game there of, well, is that bidder qualified? Will they get a mortgage? Will it be easy? With a stock, you might sometimes see just a wave of momentum. We saw it this summer with, uh, or, or this uh, spring with GameStop. GameStop didn't magically become a company worth 100 times what it had been selling for. A lot of people bought it. I, I've talked about just buying a condo. The condos I bought went up in value by about $20,000 because a lot of people went, you know where it's nice to visit when we're in a pandemic? Florida, in a resort. Like, that seems great. So the values went up. Two years from now, maybe everyone will be like, you know what's awesome during the zombie apocalypse? Skiing in the mountains. And all of a sudden, ski villas will be worth a lot and crowded resort plazas won't be. So it's all relative. Matt Cochran, I'm going to come to you in a minute uh, after talking to Max. I'll let you introduce a graphic or a chart or whatever it is you'd like to do. But Max, you generally invest in much more volatile spaces than we do. How do you prepare yourself for the fact that uh, a biotech company, depending on news, could sometimes legitimately double or triple? You know, some major approval, it might be worth a, a huge multiple, or it gets denied and all of a sudden they're back to square one. How do you mentally deal with that? Yeah, so this is just part of um, you know you have to uh, you have to accept the volatility when you do when you invest in early stage drug developers. You know, so again, not to like make fun of what happened yesterday or volatility in the market now, but everyone's freaking out. I'm like, yeah, welcome, welcome to the club, guys. You know, your stock's down a little bit. Wow. Um, yeah, so you know, it's just part of the the long term mindset, right? You're thinking about again your thesis, and yeah, there's certain de-risking events that have to happen for drug developers, right? Sometimes it's clinical trials or partnerships or uh, certain commercial milestones. And oftentimes those are far out in the future. Uh, I think I brought this up in, in a recent uh, show, but uh, you know, I started here at Seven Investing. My first pick was September 2020. So I've made whatever, eight picks or so since then, uh, nine maybe. And um, you know, the nearest term milestone for any of my companies I've chosen is still mid-2021. So none of them have had any milestones yet. So it's kind of just pretty boring. You know, we're waiting here. Um, so it's a lot of patience required. And a lot of the companies, you know, I'm looking at 2023 or 2024. Um, so it's, it's in a way, it's a perfect way to, you know, orient yourself to long-term mindsets. And I just had a lizard crawl over my feet. Uh, we are not going to think about the <laughs> salmonella possibilities there. I guess I will not touch my feet and lick my hand anytime soon. We're going to go to Matt Cochran. Then we're going to go to Dana with a little bit of a different swing. And then we'll go back to Simon Erickson uh, to sort of bring up some points and some data on Fastly. Matt Cochran, you've been doing this a long time. You are not scared by a 10%, 20%, even a 40 or 50% drop. No, I, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, that's the price we pay for, for great gains in investing. Uh, that happens even with like great investments. Like uh, Sam, I think we have a chart. Um, but like, as far as like my personal investment in Square, like I bought it in early 2017. And for the first couple of first year and a half, it, it was a phenomenal investment. It went up right away. But for about two years, from about late 2018 to mid last year, mid 2020, it was down from its all time high. And if you bought like near the peak in late 2018, it was a tough go for almost two whole years. 
But then again, like, you know, uh, like the stock picked up, like COVID was actually a tailwind for it after like it was feared that it was going to like hurt the business. And, uh, you know, it saw outstanding gains last year. And that's the nature of stock investing. So Square was a been a great investment since 2017. Fantastic investment. And yet for almost two years of that time, so it's only a four year period for almost two years of that, it was down from its all time high. And that's kind of what you almost have to expect when you do long term buy and hold investing, which I think is still like the best way to invest, the best way for most uh, investors to capture uh, to capture gains. You're going to see times that are very frustrating, even as the business does well. The stock price will not always reflect that. So Dana Abramovitz, here's how I approach it. I don't look at my portfolio every day. I have to look at it more often because that's kind of what I do for a living. But when I didn't do this for a living, even when I was writing about the market, I looked at my portfolio like when I bought or sold something because that's where I had to go to buy and sell. From an emotional point of view, if you happen to peek at your portfolio and see like, you know, you know, it's an absolute red bloodbath, how do you deal with that from a mindset basis? Well, so, you know, a lot of um, you know, the team have been talking about, you know, going back to your thesis. Right. So, you know, like you look at the fundamentals, you know, is, is this a solid business? Um, do I believe in it? Do I believe in the management? Um, and just, you know, like sometimes it's hard, you know, like I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, just take a deep breath, let things go. Right. But you got to do that um, and just kind of move on and just be like, you know what? I, I believe in this. Oh, sorry. Um, back again. Um, you know, I, I believe in that. And, um, you know, I, I got to hold your ground and stick with it and just, you know, realize that, you know, the market, you know, it's, it's just people, right? It's people and their emotion. And that's kind of driving things. And, and you can't let other people's emotions um, affect yours. We would love your questions and comments. We see a few in there. Simon, uh, maybe address the second comment from Sandeep David while you are making some points on Fastly. We absolutely appreciate you doing that. Simon. Yeah, sure. And thanks, Sandeep, also for mentioning JFrog. You know, you put up their CICD, continuous improvement, continuous deployment. Uh, obviously, data monitoring is very, very important right now. And that's that DevOps field is trying to break down a lot of those silos, as you already know. Uh, Question about Fastly, you know, if we can put that up there, I suppose, I value Fastly on a risk reward. I think it's extremely favorable due to high likelihood it gets bought out. The longer it stays at such a low market cap, low downside possibility of high upside. This is actually something that I presented the idea of back in February. Uh, I haven't seen it. So I was kind of going on a limb of saying, I think Fastly does get bought up. I think it got it gets most likely bought by Amazon. Uh, maybe Akamai is, is on the table too. But I think there's definitely a suitor for the relationships that this company has with very lucrative enterprise customers. So when we're talking about the customer count for Fastly, um, right now it, it's only got 336 enterprise customers, right? That's not going out and, and going after 8,000, 10,000 customers like so many of these companies we've seen. And it's deriving 90% of revenue from those big dogs, from the enterprise customers. But then let's also look at the average uh, sales that it obtains. The, ag the average contract that it's got from an enterprise customer a year ago was $600,000. Today, that's closer to $800,000. So these are big fish that are really signing big contracts with Fastly. It's got really, really good retention rates with them too. It's just struggling a little bit in getting involved with the mass, or with the mass market and smaller businesses. And so I still think that that's very lucrative uh, for any potential suitor for this. Um, I think there's a floor on Fastly's stock price. We probably hit that floor if, if it wasn't even a little bit higher than where we are today. But I'm starting to dig into what's that relationship between um, 
going after the high end of the market versus the potential risk of others competing it, uh, putting, competing away uh, from it as they're trying to get more and more involved in edge computing to get closer to those users. I think it's fair to say nothing changed about the Fastly business yesterday. Uh, they didn't come out with some terrible piece of news. They didn't lose a giant customer. Steve, you follow the news all the time. And, and I'm going to throw to you in a second here. Uh, anybody who wants to talk, just give me like a, a finger up because I know we have some graphics and some charts and, and some things we'd like to get in. So I will try to get to everybody after Steve here. Uh, but Steve, in the day of following the news yesterday, I know you didn't look at every company, but is it fair to say it was really just a market sentiment day and not a nothing changed for, for high-flying tech stocks? Right. Uh, you know, I, I think I did peek at my portfolio yesterday after Simon mentioned something on Twitter and it was down, I think, five and a half percent at one point. You know, a single day that that feels painful. But, you know, I, I went shopping in the processing. Like I, I see a lot of the really high growth stocks, you know, down hard. And, um, you know, part of the concern, you know, there's there's so many different narratives that are being thrown out there that are, they're possibly causing this. And, uh, you know, there's there was concern over, you know, Fed's easy money policy kind of disappearing. And some of that's abated today because of the worse than expected jobs report we saw. I, I think a lot of people anticipated that jobs report coming in with at least a million new jobs added. It came in at 266,000. Most of those were in the hospitality industry. So now we have the Fed basically has an excuse to keep injecting uh, money into the system. So uh, people are actually encouraged. So, you know, you have the NASDAQ rallying on a bad jobs report. It seems counterintuitive. Um, and then, you know, pivot to reopening stocks. You have all these different things going on. Um, but a lot of those really, really steep declines yesterday um, you know, were, were really on no notable company specific news. And, uh, you know, I, I think at a certain point, a lot of these growth, these high growth stocks that were kind of steeply valued earlier this year, um, you know, they're, they're starting to become pretty attractive again. And I'm going to have a hard time picking my recommendation on the first, by the way. <laughs> Sam Bailey, I am going to go to some of the Twitter graphics uh, we have in the doc. So if you have those prepared, uh, be ready. But before I do that, I'm going to go to Max Chasco. Um, because Max, you talk about valuation more than any of us uh, in our private Slack channels. Are there stocks that you love that you don't buy simply because they've got ahead of themselves in valuation. I'd argue that, uh, you know, with Fastly, it's not like we, we reopen, we're all gonna like throw our computers in a river and like, you know, get an ax and become, you know, wilderness men or whatever it is, or, you know, Dana's not gonna go, you know, move, move into the country and get rid of her phone. Like, obviously- yeah, That only happens still... in Montana where Steve is, Dan, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Steve is not wearing his brawny shirt today, but it is very, very similar. Uh, it is one of those situations, Max, where, do you sometimes have companies on your watch list where on a day like yesterday, you go, wow, like I, I just got five years back and I can jump in? Yeah, and it's important too to, to frame this as, you know, uh, parts of the market I cover, right? So biotech or clean energy, I think in the last year, those have been two of the more bubbly, maybe not a bubble, but, you know, a little more elevated valuations there. Uh, so you maybe can't draw too much comparisons to tech necessarily, right? Um, you know, when biotech elevations are, are uh, or when biotech valuations are elevated, there's no recurring revenue to go on, right? People are just kind of pricing it. Oh, that clinical trial is going to be perfect. And that's never how it really goes in, in drug development. Um, so when I'm worried about valuations, it's more because there's so much uncertainty in drug development. But yeah, I mean, I, I went, uh, I'm all tapped out, which I'm kind of, uh, need to wait to get more money in my account. But, uh, I did go shopping on uh, the last week and, and yesterday as well. So, um, 
I definitely use dips like this again when there's a no change in the thesis um, and it's a solid company. Um, definitely, you know, went out and added some positions. Matt Cochran, can uh, can Max borrow a few thousand dollars? He's got some stocks he'd like to buy. Uh, no, I don't like Max's stock, so <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> no, that, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're going to get to the comment uh, from uh, Mac Lou in a second, the Twitter comments. So ho- I hope you have that ready, Sam. Uh, but Dana Abramovitz, we just passed the first of the month, and you made your first ever seven investing stock recommendation. And I have to say, I was absolutely knocked out by it. We can't say what it is, but you presented on a company I've absolutely never heard of, didn't know it was public, didn't know how awesome the work they were doing. So sometimes there's a stock you buy and it's not just that you like it, it's that you actually find it like kind of life affirming. I know I personally, and I'll let you weigh in in a second here, Dana. I personally don't buy companies I feel bad about owning. Like, like I'm not going to buy like pollute the earth or tobacco stocks. And I get it. It's, it's hard to figure out who's good and who's evil, but usually you could see who's really evil. In your case, you pick something that is unquestionably good. Uh, how exciting was that to share with the team? It was awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was, you know, it's just, um, yeah, no, I, I, I like good things. I like people and companies that are doing good things for the betterment of other people. I mean, that's one of the reasons why it was so easy for me to, to join this team, um, just because, you know, like all our whole purpose is to, to help, you know, our, our subscribers. Um, so, you know, just wanted to kind of do that and um, just love companies that do that. Yeah. And that's what we are. Do- that's what we're doing today. Our goal for this show, we've been talking, I don't know, there's probably like 900 Slack messages between us all in the last like, you know, 15 hours. Our goal is to come on here and say, we are long-term investors. Uh, I, I picked a stock last month and Simon, I'm gonna let you jump on in a second and tell people how to subscribe. I picked a stock last month that people looked at it. Simon looked at it and went, wait a minute, is that a recovery play? And I went, no, this is a stock that got stronger because of the adversity of the pandemic. Sometimes something happens to you. You know, you, you have a, a health scare and that forces you back to the gym. In many ways, the company I picked reevaluated its business, went back to the gym and they're coming out of the, you know, they're coming out of the pandemic looking like Popeye instead of the, the 98 pound weekly. That's a weird example because Popeye only has the big arms. He doesn't actually look great otherwise, but I couldn't think of another strong person. Simon Erickson, if someone wants to join, uh, and there's now a cat sitting on my foot that is not my cat. Uh, if someone <laughs> wants to join, how would they do that? And what do they get for their $17 a month or $170 a year? Uh, well, well, they they come to Key West and have a uh, Cuban coffee with you and get attacked by the wildlife, right, Dan? Isn't that what we suggest they do? <laughs> I am so excited once the pandemic is is over to do this show with an audience, to have people, <laughs> whether it's you know in, in front of a Starbucks somewhere or at my new condo or whatever it is. And I should also say one of the things I'm most excited about this summer is at some point I'm going to have all of you down because for a little while I'm going to own two properties a couple miles from each other. Enough bedrooms for everybody. Don't worry, uh, Matt. There is a lock on the door, so Max can't get to you, uh, you know, and pull a prank on you late at night. But uh, Simon Erickson, how would people join if they wanted to join 7investing, and what do they get? Sure. So 7investing.com slash subscribe is where we uh, would like to welcome anyone who wants to join our service as a new as a new subscriber. Like you said, $17 a month, $170 a year. 
Uh, as Dan mentioned, we are doing something a little different than, than most other newsletters out there, which is we're being completely transparent about everything. You've got advisors on this team appearing not only on this live stream show like we have right now, but as Dan was mentioning for his recommendation this month and with everyone's recommendation, we kind of uh, open up the curtain so you can see how we as analysts are sizing up these companies. And we're not just being cheerleaders who are hoorahing and saying, oh, that's a great idea. It's definitely going to the moon. It's going to be a 10 bagger in the next, next couple of years. We're actually being very objective as analysts on this. We're pointing out the risks as well as the opportunities for every one of these picks. And so it's not just uh, the seven recommendation reports that you get every month with a subscription to seven investing, but it's also access to see our thought process, our research process, us challenging each other as advisors, and even a way to interact with the team. We have a monthly subscriber call too. So if you have specific questions about any of the reports, you get to ask us directly live on the spot on the third Friday of every month. Our mindset is different from a lot of what you see on FinTwit. Uh, companies we recommend, we believe in those companies and we've done our homework. We didn't, we didn't just dip a toe in. In most cases, we've read years and years of earnings call transcripts. We've listened to them. We've, we've you know, interviewed some of the executives, all sorts of things like that. So if you'd like to subscribe, that is seveninvesting.com slash subscribe. Uh, I'm going to take the comment from Stock Investor. Uh, it, when he says, Dan, uh, if you could bring that up, Sam, that would be great. Uh, Dan, see if the cat will chase away that lizard for you. That's actually what's happening right now, and I don't think the end is going to be great for the lizard. Uh, cats have a – there's a lot of fat cats here in the West, and I, I think that is due to the lizard populations. There's also a lot of random chickens walking around. I've never quite understood that, like why there would be wild chickens. Give me a little peek inside the, pro the process. Mike Fee has a great comment as well. We are happy to share that one, uh, Sam Bailey, if you could. Uh, the seven investing team provides a lot of in-depth insight and analysis that can't be found anywhere else. We are proud to do, do that. We are so excited. Uh, we apologize if there's some audio struggles today. I think our software is uh, is maybe hitting its limit with everyone here. And I actually have a pretty good internet connection for, uh, for Key West, which is rare, but who knows? Uh, it has been a tiny bit in and out. So we apologize. There will be a full transcript available uh, probably at some point over the weekend, if not certainly by Monday. Uh, with that being said, if you could bring up that Twitter comment, I had you tee up uh, Sam Bailey, our director of marketing. And Mac Lou says, have you ever realized you were wrong about a stock and finally cut it? Uh, I guess according to your approach, the loss will be big. And also in days like today, will you add to your conviction? I'm going to start with Steve, Steve Symington. Steve, have you, uh, have you ever changed your mind and, and cut bait on a stock? Um, yeah, I, I've had a, a couple stocks uh, that I've I, I, I'm not completely given up, um, but I had some stocks in, in the early days that I realized when I was a young investor that I bought thinking, oh, this has to be cheap. And it's not right. Citigroup, I think, was one of the stocks I owned back in like I don't know, 2007 or something. And uh, and I was like, man, I, I realized I think I owned GE at one point, like 15 years ago, 16 years ago. I don't know. But, and, and I realized like, I didn't know as much as I thought about these companies once I start really digging in. And, uh, you know, that was sort of one of those things where, um, you know, you sort of, you're finding your, your, your footing and getting your feet wet as a, a new investor. Uh, but I've had companies where, um, I think ICE was one that I actually kind of cut bait on because I, I'd kind of lost some confidence in, in the company. It still could be uh, a decent winner. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I've held several stocks over the last, you know, better part of the last two decades that I've just decided, you know what, that's, that's too much. And, um, and, you know, there's other obvious cases like fraud, 
um, you know, you have financial issues, uh, bankruptcy, uh, where people have been stunned, um, you know, by by surprising bankruptcies. GTAT comes to mind, the stock I didn't own, but I covered back in the day, uh, where uh, GT Advanced Technologies, where they had unfavorable contract terms with Apple. And one day they said, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going bankrupt. And uh, you know, you're like, whoa. And uh, so stuff happens. Um, and, and yes, um, like Max said in that comment, a lot of times it's a, it's a big loss. Um, but sometimes it, it's best just to, to cut bait when your thesis has been fundamentally changed. I, w- I want to throw this to Matt Cochran as well. Matt, go in whatever direction you want, because I know you have some charts and other things prepared. You're welcome to grab. Uh, it's, sometimes you look at a stock. And even though you believe your thesis, if it doesn't, even if the thesis is playing out, sometimes the stock doesn't move. I've talked a lot about uh, BlackBerry being a good example of that, where they totally pivoted their business to a really successful business, but that business isn't a public facing phone and no one is ever going to forgive them. They would have been better off changing their name uh, in terms of their stock. That's a, it's really a company that doesn't trade based on results. It sort of trades based on like past ideas. Matt Cochran, uh, take it wherever you want to go. Yeah, well, I think I, I think the the key takeaway for all of that is patience, right? Like you need to have patience. Like uh, the the famous uh, Benjamin Graham quote that in the short run the the market is a popularity contest, and in the long run it's a weighing machine, right? I think I might have butchered that a little bit, but I think that's the gist of it. Um, you have to have patience. Like the stock price, the stock doesn't know you just bought it. Like when you buy a stock, you're like, well, this is a great bar, you know, it's a good value. It's a great company. It's going to disrupt an industry, whatever the bull thesis is for why you bought it. And you think it's just going to go up from there. And that I think has like happened to me like never, (laughs) like the day I bought it, like it goes nothing but up. I think I'm down on every single stock I've ever bought, uh, at at least in the early days. Um, because it doesn't know it, you know, there's no, nobody, nobody, uh, rings a bell that says, you know, to tell the company that you bought the stock. So now it's okay for the bull thesis to play out. Um, you have to have patience. It takes a long, long time sometimes for that thesis to play out. And, um, if you're right, you're going to be rewarded for it eventually, eventually. But you know, when you, uh, when you're first starting off, like, I think we got a, a comment from an investor the other day or a subscriber saying like, Hey, I just started like investing a, a month or two ago and I'm down on my stocks. Like what to do when you first start off investing, it can really suck. Like, there's no doubt about it. Like, I think, uh, but when, when, when I got started investing, like I clicked on a, a clickbaity ad for a service and it was about the next industrial revolution, which was, which was for 3d printing. And so, uh, you know, I bought, I, I put almost all of my family savings into like a few 3D printing <laughs> stocks and that did not go well. But even when you do invest in stocks that go well, um, like it can take time for the thesis to play out. You have to have patience. And when you first get going and you're actually down lower than the, the amount of money you put into the market, it can be really, really discouraging. Uh, don't get discouraged. Stick it out. Um, and patience will often win the day. I'll chime in too on this one. Well, Dan's audio catches back up with him out there, or maybe a lizard attacked the wire. Television. Uh, I oh, would argue that. Oh, we are having some audio troubles. I am not sure. Uh, Simon, are you hearing me now? Yeah, go right ahead, Dan. Uh, so I, I was just saying there, and I think we're all having some internet connectivity issues because it's happening on all edges. We might be maxing out uh, the ability for this software to to uh, uh, to go, but. It's just one of those scenarios where 
there are things that everyone thinks is the next big thing. 3D printing, 3D television, cannabis that are not necessarily the next big thing. Doesn't mean those aren't going to be big markets. 3D printing with space has the potential to be a massive market, uh, but it isn't necessarily going to be there. I, you know, I know Dana was super excited about 3D tel No, I'm kidding. I have no idea if Dana knows that. Simon Erickson, you're the leader of the team here. Why don't you close out the thought on how we approach red days in the market or even a prolonged downturn? Well, well, I do want to I, I touch again on that question that was asked about um, following. How do you know when to hold on to a stock? You know, we, we kind of talk about volatility versus risk. Uh, Steve said, you know, obviously there's some that don't work out. Sometimes we get led into the market hype and the hype cycle is a very real phenomenon that we've we've seen. I, I think that this kind of all goes back to the, the, the one of the key values we're bringing as as stock analysts is is the research that we're doing and identifying the right metrics to follow. And if you really have uh, conviction in a stock, it, it's not just because of something important related to that company. And so perhaps maybe to close this out by bringing it back full circle to Sandeep's question about DevOps, DevOps is a huge trend that's developing in the market right now. And we've seen several companies try to uh, crack into this developing trend that have done various degrees of success. I'd like to answer the, the similar question that Steve had of what's something that you, you cut from your portfolio which mine was New Relic. Uh, New Relic was very important for application performance monitoring, which is basically looking at software code that's running inefficiently uh, when you have cloud-based software. So you wanna go out and you wanna make sure that everything's loading correctly, that everything's performing correctly and see the performance of things like this. And at first it went out there and the metric that I really liked to see was its dollar-based net retention, which means how much are your existing customers paying you this year versus how much did they pay you last year? And that started out, I can't remember exactly the numbers off my head, but maybe it was 135, 140%, very, very high. And operating metrics that showed this business was performing really well and customers were accepting its solution. But it fell significantly over the following years. I think it fell down to 105, 107% as it kind of tapped out with those large enterprise customers. It was missing the opportunity to upsell to other products and it wasn't getting the bang for its buck and it left it open uh, for competition from others like Datadog and others that were kind of full stack monitoring that eventually displaced um, a lot of its solutions and appealed more to mass market customers. So that's just one example of many that are out there of look for the right things when you're doing stock analysis. Don't just say, oh, it's a piece of paper that's going up and down um, on a stock chart. What, what is this business doing and how is it performing at the things that are most important? And to be quite honest, I think that's something that all of us as advisors on this team do a fantastic job with. We actually capture that in our reports specifically of what are the metrics that we're looking for and we're evaluating these companies upon. This is also one of those scenarios where when something bad happens, step back and relax and figure out did something bad actually happen or did the stock price just go down? I appreciate the whole team for turning out today. Uh, our goal at 7investing is to help you build a long-term mindset. And it is days like yesterday that challenge that mindset. But I will point out that twice during this pandemic, we have had pretty big market sell-offs that took roughly from like Wednesday to Monday to recover. Uh, so, so this is absolutely a problem. Sam Bailey, uh, we're dealing with some internet issues here. Why don't you put up our finisher? Simon, why don't you lead through the finisher here? Sure. Great. Okay. So Dan, our finisher today is in 2021. Which business segment do you feel the most confident about? Looks like overwhelmingly out of these four choices, we chose the cloud over travel, 
or our audience chose the cloud over travel, pizza, and gambling. Man, that sure seems like the right choice to me. That's probably how I would have voted. Anyone else have opinions on that? Pizza is a pretty strong, compelling argument, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, the act cloud. I actually think it's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, pizza, maybe during the pandemic and sure, afterward, nobody's going to stop eating pizza. But I mean, my my recommendation on, on May 1st was uh, a cloud computing play, like a cloud transformation uh, thing. So, yeah, obviously, uh, I, I didn't even have to hesitate when I voted on that one. So. Pizza Matt, will Matt never Cox. be disrupted. <laughs> never. <laughs> Can't go wrong. Pizza will not be disrupted. $20 for the family, right, Matt? The ultimate dinner. That's right. Domino's Pizza. You can one click of a button and your favorite, your saved orders there in a, in a few minutes magically. It's perfect. $20. Feed a family of six. Can't beat that. And, and Dan, be it's the best pizza, right? Oh, dear God. <laughs> We're not going to have that discussion. I will meet everyone in New Haven and we will talk about what the best pizza is uh or maybe boston we can go to santarpio's or pizzeria regina it is at there there is no pizza in florida so matt being from florida i totally understand why he's willing to eat domino's beyond just price <laughs> that being said steve symington why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with us oh you can email uh info at seveninvesting.com that's usually uh me that replies to that personally uh we don't have bots that handle these uh so so yes yeah, sometimes it's a lot of email but uh, send us questions uh, uh about our service how to subscribe what you can expect uh or if you're having troubles uh we'll respond there uh, but info at seveninvesting.com or you can find us at, at seven investing on twitter we're all very active several of us have access to that account and you can also see our individual Twitter handles. And Simon Erickson, I'll let you make one more comment and sign us off. Yeah, perfect. This is uh, completely off the cuff and you didn't know I was going to say this, but a huge thank you to Dan Klein uh, being on vacation in Key West right now and still getting it done for our live stream show. I, that's that's so impressive, Dan. I mean, on your vacation to still make it, you've done a fantastic job with this live stream. I really like the interactive format with people getting to chat directly with us as advisors. So it's actually me thanking you for making the time to be here this morning on your vacation. We're going to do shows from the Caribbean. We're going to do shows from uh, our, our new resort place in Davenport. We're going to do shows from cruise ships, if I could possibly make that technology work. There is no such thing as a vacation. The joy of doing this is I get to do my job, and I sometimes can do it at 2 in the morning after a night out in Key West. Uh, so this is one of those things where I'm going to have a lot of weeks where you're looking to go, Dan is on vacation again. And the reality is, is Dan is portable. What we do is portable. And I'm very excited. Uh, and I think my computer's overheating. I think that is why some of the internet issues. So we might have to explore uh, using some different technology or perhaps a phone uh, on a stand. But for that, for everybody except Honor Bond, who is sleeping, uh, thank you for watching 7 Investing Now. And happy Mother's Day. We'll see you Monday. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.